Hey guys, welcome back to Momish Unfiltered. You're here with Anne and Jane. And today's topic is going to be really heavy. Uh, this is episode nine. So make sure you're paying attention because this episode might be able to help someone or you. Um, that being said, let's go ahead and dive right in. Last week, two stars fell um, to pressure and committed suicide. Kate Spade, handbag designer, 55 years old, took her life. And then um, right after that, Anthony Bourdain, a celebrity chef and host on CNN to Parts Unknown, um, also committed suicide. And that has opened a conversation about mental health in America. So what we were going to do today was kind of talk about that. Um, mental health is obviously something that is not discussed enough. And when you have people taking their lives, you start to wonder what's really going on. So we're going to start out by talking about how mental health is looked at in the black community. Yeah, so I think that's actually um, a good question, a good place to start. So um, I, I feel like uh, mental health issues in the black community is viewed as something negative, like you're not supposed to need help. Right. And I read all sorts of articles like on Huffington, um, as well as um, Forbes magazine, they had a really good article saying that that kind of goes back to slave times where the slave was supposed to be, you know, seen and not heard, endure mm -hmm. all sorts of um, hardships in life, but right. not address them. But I think there's something even more um, important going on because sometimes it's, it's easier for, um, at least from my experience in the African-American community, to try to focus on the positive because sometimes so much negativity happens that you try to look for the silver lining. And so therefore, right. if you're living in your kind of grief, um, it really doesn't serve you well. So I feel like people are like, no, 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 I'm good. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that a lot of that is what's going on in the African American community. We don't like to, to need help and we don't like to kind of live in our, you know, shit. Yeah. I yeah. think that is a very good point. Um, the other thing I'll add on to that as well is that I think there's a lot of uh, stigma and judgment that is associated with um, receiving therapy or any type of mental health treatment. There's that sense of fear or embarrassment that it will reflect badly upon your family. Um, I remember talking to my grandmother about how when my grandfather came back from Vietnam that all the guys had to be checked out. And a lot of times their wives also had to go and be checked out as well. And she was telling me that it was a bad thing if you had to go and see the guy. So they already knew what questions were going to be asked. They already knew how to answer. Because if your husband had been selected to receive treatment on a regular basement, excuse me, a regular basis, it was a very bad thing. And so for her personally, she was like, no, I don't think... Uh, therapy or treatment of any kind is good because of what she experienced back then. Um, so, you know, right there, there's that sense of embarrassment. There's that fear, that judgment. Granted, they were also doing testing and things like that back in the day on people of color. So that adds a whole nother layer of issues. But um, from that period, it's like, okay, I, I see that we have a problem. Um, the other thing that I will say as well is I think that in the black community, there is a lack of awareness of mental health and how it works. 
I think a lot of times when people are having issues, they're just saying, oh, you're going through a phase. Or we, we add a little Jesus into it and we say, this too shall pass. This storm will go. And so people are, you know, turning to prayer and things like that, which is good. I mean, if you need to pray about it, pray about it. But sometimes you need further help. And that's when you need to start thinking about consulting a physician or a therapist so that you can find out what's really going wrong. A lot of times, like Anne said, we deal with these battles internally because we have a bit of self-help, self-care. I can do it myself. I can fix myself. But sometimes you really need more help than you can provide alone. Yeah, and I also want to just quickly add too, and I'm going to put my little medical hat on here. A lot of times when people hear mental health issues, that's a very, you know, actual technical term. And a lot of times people think of people who are bipolar. People Mm. think, you know, schizophrenic. Someone who they think thinks crazy. Yeah, who are, you know really legitimately struggling with medical conditions that really causes them to act out. And so if you're sitting there and you're just depressed about, you know, your financial situation or your relationship at home, you're thinking to yourself, if you're in the black community, well, my problems don't really match up to somebody who's bipolar or schizophrenic. And so you might be, you know, not feeling like you need that sort of help because you don't meet the certain criteria that you've come to know is a mental health condition. Right. And so I think that's something that's really important too. We just, we always see mental health um, issues or episodes that other people have as crazy because these people, you know, are obviously having, you know, real episodes. Right. So I I just wanted to point that out too. That was really good. Thank you for adding that little Mm -hmm. bit of medical flair. I try. Um, I I think on a a final note for me, um, I think the cost of treatment is something else that is a barrier um, for how mental health is looked at in the black community. The financial burden alone um, of mental health treatment is something that can affect everyone, but disproportionately affects African-Americans due to lower incomes and reduced employment opportunities. And if you don't have insurance or something like that, it can really be a struggle. Um, I know that, you know, counseling can be anywhere from a hundred to $300 plus an hour. Um, depending on those people's times, you're like, wait a minute, I might need five, six courses of treatment or whatever is recommended monthly, bi-weekly. And if you're looking at paying a bill of, you know, 200 plus on that type of basis, that could be something where you're like, you know what? I don't need treatment. I'm going to read a self-help book or I'm going to try to figure this out alone. If I'm going to pay all that money, I better come out healed. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the other expectation that you're paying this money and that if I'm paying you, I better be fixed. Yes. But unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. Right. Um, therapy, you know, mental health disorders and things like that, it's something that you have to constantly work at. Mm-hmm. It requires a consistent amount of um, treatment that might have to be on a weekly basis or biweekly, monthly, whatever your doctor dictates is necessary. And unfortunately, that comes at a cost. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's something that we need to look at on a bigger scale is making treatment more affordable. Um, for people in all communities so that they can receive the treatment that they need. But um, and, and moving forward, um, I want to talk about why black women uh, struggle with mental health. Um, I think that black women, especially us, especially we are dealing with so much, um, especially per- the perceptions of black women um, and, and how, you know, you can be looked at as scary or inadequate, unattractive, we're hypersexualized and we're just supposed to accept it. 
So when you're walking through life, you know, trying to be guarded and what you say and how you act and everything, that is a lot to put on any one person. But black women especially struggle with this. And I think it leads or contributes more to our depression and anxiety. Um, It's just crazy how being seen through other people's lenses, you know, as aggressive or intimidating and constantly feeling like you have to be guarded um, can contribute to those things and Mm -hmm. and really affect your mental health. Right. And, you know, I wanted to point out too, um, a lot of times why um, African-American women struggle specifically with mental health, in my opinion, is for several reasons. So I don't want to get like super deep, right. but for like socioeconomic purposes, like let's look at, and this is, and I'm not really even, I can't remember if it's a verifiable fact, but I think Don Lemon from CNN said approximately 72% of African American women have children born out of wedlock. So that's number one. So I'm not like, okay, you know, black women don't have babies outside of marriage. That's not what this is about. Right. But if you think about that, if they're, you know, even if it's not 72%, if it's a high percentage, you have an African-American woman that has to be mom, dad, has to be educator, has to be uh, the provider for her family. She wears so many different hats that she can't take the time to actually address her needs. Maybe she's stressed out, but she has no outlet. Right. Or she doesn't have any money because she's by herself and, you know, her child's father may not be contributing that much money to the household. Right. Um, and so, you know, in all of those different challenges that she faces, um, you know, it's a struggle to try to take care of yourself. So, you know, I'm married. I'm an African-American woman. I have, you know, kids and so forth. But I still struggle with the many roles that I, you know, play. Like, yes. I mean, I wouldn't say I suffer from mental health issues. But some days I do find like when people are saying like, oh, well, Anne, what do you think? I'm like, I'm not going to participate because I don't even want to use the mental energy right. to solve someone else's problem. So right. imagine if you are constantly the only person that you could rely on mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you have no outlet. And that is such a good point because I think as women, especially as mothers, we are faced with doing so much. Like you said, we are wearing several hats and it really leads to a feeling of being overwhelmed. Right. And I think that being overwhelmed is honestly a feeling that is not given as much credit as it needs to be because, oh my gosh, I'll never forget having my first child when I had Tristan, how overwhelmed I felt with just trying to figure out how this baby worked, trying to figure out his sleeping schedule while receiving little to no sleep of my own, Mm -hmm. trying to make sure that I'm feeding him enough food, that he's getting enough milk because I'm breastfeeding him, making sure that I'm pumping, making sure that I'm using the right lotion on his skin so he doesn't break out, Mm -hmm. washing his clothes with the proper detergent, making sure that I'm getting some type of nourishment, keeping my milk supply up. There were a billion and two things. Add to that that then I went back to work four months later. So I'm pumping at work and I'm trying to make these weekly meetings and I'm trying to make sure that I'm still a work performer and that I'm meeting whatever goals or um, things that I'm supposed to meet. And you're in the same vein, you're still trying to be your wife and check on your husband and make sure that he's okay. I reached a point where I was just like, I can't do this. I remember one night I sat down, I was trying to talk to Tony about what was going on. And I was just like, you know what? And I just started crying. Mm -hmm. I mean, out of nowhere, I was just in tears. 
because I had never felt so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. I was the type of person or am a type of person who was always like, I can take more. I can do it. I can handle it. No matter what it was, I was like, don't worry about it. I'll handle it. Mm -hmm. But just having my first kid had me at a point like, no, you can't do everything. You need to take a step back. You need some help. And it actually led me to seek treatment. Um, And we started working with a therapist, you know, for me individually, for my husband and I, from like a marriage perspective, because it was something that I found was necessary. I felt like my communication breakdown had reached a point where I was just trapped in this hole of feeling overwhelmed and I didn't know how to get out of it. And it was really, really hard. But um, in that same vein, I'm really glad that I did seek help because I'm better for it. Right. And, and I can agree. I, I think that, you know, just imagine if you you don't have a spouse. And that's mm. what I'm saying. You know, a lot You're of so African-American right. women, you know, they don't have somebody they can say, look, listen, I'm overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it goes back to, you know, they have to be concerned with everything. Is my child eating? You know, where, you know, is my paycheck going to be enough so I can feed myself right. and my child and right. keep a roof over our heads? And I think it just keeps going and going and going because African-American women have constantly been the the backbone and the bedrocks of their family especially you know when it disintegrates a lot of yeah, times it does it does you know and then the children just stay with their moms yep um because you know, it's our responsibility exactly but it, it really is and i think um you know for me like i said you know having to wear so many hats i have definitely found myself character characteristically have changed like a lot oh god yes in terms of being more Uh, removed from a lot of different, you know, situations because it's just like, I I mean, I just cannot mentally compute. You can't. 24-7. Your brain can only handle so much, but you you start... You're you're a daughter, you're a wife, you're a mother, and Mm -hmm. you're a friend, and you're, you know, uh, employee, Mm -hmm. and you know, when you sit down with yourself and you say, okay, well, who am I? Yeah. You don't know anymore because you're too busy thinking for everyone else and I think that is even more so true for African-American women I think it definitely is and that brings me to the checking on your strong friend sentiment I don't know if you guys have seen that floating around but people have been posting check on your strong friend check on your strong friend and I'm saying why are you only checking on the strong friend um, how often have you had these conversations? Just think about it. I'm going to, I'm going to do a little role play. Mm. Hey girl, what's up? How are you doing? Oh man, I'm tired, but everything's going to be good. I'm going through something, but I'll be all right. Okay. Well, let me know if you need anything. Call me if you need some help. I won't cause I'm good. End scene. Now, how many times have you had a conversation like this? Um, you and I have had <laughs> right that conversation a million times. A million and two times. Yeah. I know I have probably had this exact conversation with a billion and two of my sorors, a billion and two of my friends, family, whoever. And a lot of times that conversation is not helpful. In this vein, in our little, you know, improv, I just checked on my friend. But what did I learn? Nothing. What did we accomplish? Nothing. She told me that she was having some issues and that she would be good. I told her, give me a call, girl, if you need to talk about it. And then we wrapped it up. How did I help? How did she get help? Now, whatever issues she might have been dealing with in that time, I don't know the level of severity. But I think that unfortunately, right now, we're in a culture of keeping our business to ourselves. 
There's a lot of that where people feel like, no, girl, don't be telling people your business, especially when you get married. It like intensifies. Girl, keep your married business to yourself. Mm -hmm. You struggle with that alone or whatever, which I think is really a bad message to send because then it creates this culture of you not being able to talk to someone about what you're going through. And for all you know, someone else might be able to help you with that because they've been through the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um. I think especially if you are not able to talk to someone, um, you need to start seeking out, you know, Google, figure out, hey, how do I talk to somebody about what I'm going through? But also um, consider your response. I think that if you feel like you can't share what's going on with you with that individual in particular, and maybe you feel like, oh, I don't want to tell this person my business. Well, first of all, you might want to question that friendship if you feel like I can't share what's going on with me, but also really start to think, is there someone that I should be talking to? The way I have my friends set up, I have uh, people that I might talk to about certain things. Like I have a marriage friend or I have a spiritual friend or I have a kid friend. You know, if I need kid advice, I talk to this homegirl. If I need spiritual advice, I talk to this homegirl and so on and so forth. So forth. Um, I think that we need to really start creating a culture of sharing more um, because you could essentially talk to someone every day and know nothing. And I know that sounds crazy, mm-hmm. but you literally could talk to, think about that. You could talk to someone every day and not know how they're doing. And I've been caught off guard by that before because I don't forget my dad asked me about a friend one day and was like, oh, how so-and-so? And I'm like, you know what? I, I really don't know. And I talked to them on a regular basis to where I should have had a clue. And for me, that really changed how I was approaching my friendships and things like that because it wasn't necessarily that... I wasn't sharing, but I realized in our conversations that they weren't really sharing with me. And so the conversations we would have, they were always fine. They were always good. But I couldn't tell you anything beyond that, you know, from a surface level perspective. Mm -hmm. And it really got me thinking, I need to be a better friend. Not that I thought I was a bad friend before, but we have a responsibility as friends to check on each other, to really find out, girl, how are you doing? Like, I really want to know. And not just like a drive-by conversation, give me that fine, I'm good, girl. You know, like really try to find out, like, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Maybe you meet up for coffee or drinks or whatever, or you schedule time to chat on the phone real quick, like whatever. Maybe you're texting. But we we as people also need to put some responsibility on ourselves to find out how each other is doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I would say the reason why you should probably check on your um, quote-unquote strong friend more so than someone else that you can clearly see is struggling is because your strong friend is better at hiding uh, their troubles. So you have some people where you can see them. You can see them, you know, drowning. You can see them kind of tripping up and you can say, hey, girl, let me give you a hand up, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's no question that they're going through something. But the one that can continually look you in the face and say they're fine but still be struggling with something requires a little bit more effort because they're, they're used to hiding the more unpleasant qualities of their life so that's why I would argue that you should probably work a little bit harder on that friend that's saying hey I'm good um I would say though um a lot of times it's easier to say that than to kind of live in sort of the difficulties that you experience from day to day so when you're talking to a friend um and and I'm really guilty of this I could be, you know, going through the biggest amount of stress and I'm like, I'm fine. I'm going to be okay. And you know why is because, um, it's sort of like a, 
a way that I keep myself from, you know, really spiraling is just to say, I'm fine. I'm down. I'm not out. If I'm here tomorrow, that's another day to start over, start fresh. I'm not finished. This is a setback. And I keep telling myself that so I won't jump off a bridge. And I'll tell <laughs> <Right>. you. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. I've, the way that my luck goes personally, it's like a, a storm right. of sorts. Right. So, and I'll give you just a very small example. It's not going to be anything deep because, you know, I don't share nothing from this conversation. Because <laughs> she's a strong friend. <laughs> but, um, you know, like I'll get off the metro. I got off the metro one day. I felt good about the morning. I was like, hmm. Damn, I left my good umbrella. I grabbed my bad one, right? So, you know the umbrella. You put it up, and then half of it is deflated. And you're like, <laughs> all right. I'm like, but I can make it. It's sunny. The clouds are all the way over there. Right. Right? I had my lunch. It was going to be a delicious lunch. But I didn't put it in a plastic container. I had it in a paper bag and one of those styrofoam um, containers. I'm like, I can make it. So I'm walking to work. Then the cloud comes over my head. Mm-hmm. It's not like a small one. It's like a full-on like downpour, torrential downpour within like seconds, right? Mm-hmm. I just got my hair done the day before. <laughs> no. Okay, now my umbrella is completely collapsed because mm-hmm. the wind is blowing. It's flipped the other way. Right. My food is now wet. I have a puddle in my food. Mm-hmm. And then I get to work and the lights are out. <laughs> and I have a deadline in an hour. No. So that's kind of how, like, my life works. Like, when it rains, it pours, and it snowballs. And it snowballs so much out of control that if I don't say, I'm down, I'm not out, mm-hmm. then I'm just going to be like, I'm going to try to find a nicer way to say this. <laughs> Bump that. And, you mm-hmm. know, like, okay, I'm going to be on the George Washington looking down. You right, know what I mean? So, like, no. I, you know, so I've never like wanted to jump off of anything, but mm-hmm. I think, you know, it definitely helps me to, to have a mantra. So if I, you know, if somebody asks me, Hey, how you doing? I'm down. I'm not out. I'm right. going to be okay. And right. so to me, it's not hiding it. It's just more so just trying to continually live in that truth because the more you say it, the more you believe it, the more it becomes true for you. I believe in positive affirmations. Oh God, yes. And and so I just try to live what I say and so that it'll be a reflection, true or a true reflection of my life. So I think that's probably something that's important too for people who are struggling. Just say I'm down, I'm not out. Right. You know, and I trust me, I understand that sometimes your life is a lot worse than someone else's. Yeah. So my problem might be like, oh damn, my car broke down. You know, and then yours might be like, I don't know where I'm going to, you know, sleep tonight. I don't Mm -hmm. know if I'm going to eat. You're down. You're not out. There's a lot of good places that you can get help. Mm -hmm. You know, just keep telling yourself that. Yeah. And my last little, I guess, tidbit to add to the the strong friend thing is um, I am a strong friend. And I'm going to probably need more than a text or a DM here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, I want us to have a you know, truly engaged conversation. And I might not be able to have these conversations on a regular basis, but I legitimately have friends that I might talk to once a month, once every two months. But I bet you that conversation that I had was so engaging, so therapeutic from a catch-up standpoint that I feel like I might not talk to this girl every day, but it feels like it because we just had a real catch-up. We met for dinner, whatever. And I love that girl with my life. And Those of you who know me, you know who you are. We might not talk every day, 
But when we catch up, we catch up. And I love you guys for that. Because sometimes, let's be honest, it's hard to talk to some people every day. You just don't have the time. But I would say really try and engage with people. Um, And while we're all not necessarily in this, I call my home girl phase anymore, there are people that I talk to strictly on the phone. We might text and I'd be like, hey, you free to talk? And then we catch up, but we catch up. You know, do a better job of being intentional. I think that's what's really important. Show me and yourself that I'm a priority, that our friendship is a priority. Make the time. I agree. I agree. And you can help that struggling friend just by, you know, like I said, you know, partially it's, it's reaching out and, and working a little bit harder and being intentional. Right. The other part is also to encourage them to have the space to do it. So, right. um, you know, one of the things I wanted to say earlier, but I just didn't say it. I forgot. <laughs> but, <laughs> it happens. Yeah. So, you know how sometimes like people, you know, you will tell somebody your business, right? And you're the strong friend and you'll say, hey, you know, this happened to me is really, you know, effed up. I'm, you know, really mad about it. Mm-hmm. And then they throw it in your face Ooh. or like a family member. And they're yeah. like, you know, that's not helpful. They know who they are. But I'll say something like, um, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to engage with you when you're doing this. Oh, I'm not your husband. Say what? What? <laughs> What, oh. what you say? Oh, you can't talk to me like that. Or, right. oh, I'm going to do this. And so they take something that you shared with them right. and then they turn it against you. That's also, I think, why people share don't less. share. That is so true. And so I'll say, you know, then it becomes about something else. And then it you're does. like, okay, now I know I can't tell you anything because I'm not going to want to hear that from you. That's very true. And I'll have to address that. And then it's just like conversation over. And so, you know, be supportive and understand Mm -hmm. and be able to separate the two. So, yeah, your friends, you're not going to always agree or you're going to, you know, have problems from time to time. But when they come to you in confidence, I feel like it's very important that you separate the two. So if you want to take a dig, do something where it's not like they were being vulnerable with you and Mm -hmm. being honest and open. And then you take that and then you turn it against them. Right. So I feel like that's something that's also worth. Um, being mindful of. I think that's that was awesome because oh, that is so true. Yeah. Um, and I think in that same vein, it's really important to be a good listener. Yeah. Sometimes we start talking about something and then you want to share something about yourself and you're so excited. But guys, we have got to be intentional listeners. Be a good listener. Um, I think that is so important because whether you're excited or not, if you can hear that your friend is struggling, just listen. Right. Try to be there for them and, and support them. Express your concern or support so that they know that they have someone who's supporting them through whatever struggle um, that they are going through. Mm-hmm. Um, remind them that there's help available. Suggest, hey, you know, maybe you should seek out treatment. Um, I'm going to reference the insecure episode when Issa had suggested um, support to her BFF, whose name is escaping me right now. Oh, yeah. Poor me. Yeah. I will review before uh, season three starts in August. But um, she said, hey, yo, I think that you need Molly. There you go. Molly. Molly. Yeah. She said, Molly, you need some therapy or whatever. Granted, they were having a heated argument, throwing each other's business in their face, right. which Ann just pointed out. But she had suggested it previously. And Molly started looking at herself like, what you mean I need therapy? You know, because she thought it was a negative. It was a bad thing. But you, sh- if you're expressing real concern, be like, girl, you know, I love you, but you might want to consider talking to someone else. And you know what? That is a really big girl pants thing to do. 
because I think a lot of times homegirls think that, you know, you can fix each other's situations or we mm. should be able to because we're homegirls. I should be able to, to give you the advice that you need to fix or better your situation. But it really takes a adult, a mature individual to say, you know what? This is beyond my knowledge of expertise. I think that you need to seek counsel elsewhere and I will help you find the person that can do that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that was really great of Issa to be able to suggest to Molly. Um, and I have suggested counseling to friends and it has really been helpful because sometimes you just need more help than any one person can give. Right, right. Agreed. Well, guys, um, on top of that same thing, if you are struggling, um, check out the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, um, 1-800-273-TALK, and make sure that you just really do some research and find out, hey, maybe I need some help. Um, try to reach out to your family or friends and express that you might be having some issues um, and that you might need more help. But we really hope that you guys um, enjoyed this talk today. We want you to know that we're here for you. Um, and um, as usual, sound off. Let us know. Maybe you yourself have been struggling. Maybe you have a friend who's been struggling. But let us know. We want you to know that we're here for you. And, and hopefully today's episode, um, you know, was able to give back and, yeah. you know, let you think about things differently. Hopefully, hopefully it helped you. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, guys. All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye.